Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 33. Uh, the Word of God says, Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. And let's pray. Lord, thanks for the opportunity to open your word. This one verse could strengthen all of our marriages and it could salvage others. And so I pray tonight you'd give us wisdom into it. In Jesus' name, amen. And so we're not going to look at a, a lot of differing verses tonight. I mean, I could go and just follow the the webs through Scripture. But I really just want to focus on this thought tonight, the two greatest needs of marriage. If you had to boil your marriage down to one need, it would be God. Right? God can fix anything. And He can certainly fix your marriage. You say, well, my marriage is dead. Well, thank God you serve the God of the resurrection. uh, Because He can resurrect your marriage. And we've had that conversation a lot in marriage counseling over the years. People come and say, my marriage is dead. I just don't love her anymore. I just don't love him anymore. Well, we serve the God of the resurrection. Praise God. And so... uh, But if you were to say, what are the two needs? If I were to ask you, what are the two greatest needs of your marriage? Taking God, putting him on his throne where he belongs. The two greatest needs of your marriage are love and respect. Love and respect. If you're missing one of those things, your marriage is going to be trouble. You got to have love and you got to have respect. Now, Clearly, love and respect should be towards the husband and the wife. They both should receive love and respect. And really, you could make the argument that love is a form of respect, and respect is a form of love. We're not going to do all that tonight, but you could certainly make that argument. But the Bible specifically says that the greatest need of a wife is that she sense the love of her husband. And the greatest need of the husband is that he senses the reverence. It's a a very important word for respect. It's a high level of respect, usually reserved for God. A high level of respect for her husband. Uh, I'll just tell you, if a husband doesn't feel respected, he's going to act out. And if a wife doesn't feel loved, she's going to act out. It would almost be like taking away oxygen. If, if you tonight were to begin suffocating, you're not going to do it quietly. You're going to start making all kinds of noises. You're going to start flailing around. You're going to start being erratic. And that's what happens whenever a wife doesn't feel loved. And that's what happens when a husband doesn't feel respected. And so uh, it's, it's vitally important and truly revolutionary and transformational that we understand the two greatest needs of your marriage are love and respect. Let me make a few statements and, and we'll be done tonight. Uh, number one, God made men and women differently with different needs. Right? Can we agree with that? We live in a world that says men and women are the same. No, they're not. Uh, They used to say, feminism said men and women are the same emotionally. No, they're not. Then, nowadays, they're saying men and women are the same physically. No, they're not. Uh, God made us each for a specific role. 
uh, and pretending there is no difference is lunacy. I said lunacy. Uh, it's insanity. Pretending that you can just choose to be a boy or a girl or an alien or a car or something in between. Uh, uh, I identify as an IRS man, so I expect you all to pay your taxes tonight before you leave. And uh, just write that check out to Paul Chapman. Uh, I mean, think, think how crazy this is. Well, I can just identify as whatever I want. A craziness. Uh, nowadays, you've got... The feminists are really in, in trouble now because they have embraced this whole gender insanity, but now they've got uh, transgendered boys running girls' track and playing girls' sports and beating them at everything and really just erasing 50 years of what they would call progress. And so now they're stuck when there is a scientific difference between a male and a female. Muscle fibers, muscle... A muscle content, high twitch fibers, uh, hormones, I mean, you name it, there's any number of differences, plus every cell is different with the X and the Y thing. You know, that's kind of foundational and important, but I digress. Uh, now, that's important because we've been told that men and women are basically the same, but we know that's not true. We know it's not true because the Bible says it. We know it's not true by experience. We're physically different, emotionally different, uh, it, it different in every way. And so while we do have some, some of the same basic needs that God made us with, we are fundamentally different. Now, it's important for you to understand that because, sir, if you treat your wife like a man, you're going to be in trouble. She's not going to respond to that. And, ma'am, if you treat your husband like a woman, he's not going to respond to that. Right? We need to treat them the way God uh, made them and and explained to us. All right. Number two, pride is the root of all sin. All right. So God made men and women differently with different needs. Number two, pride is the root of all sin. So pride says, I want to do it my way. I'll treat you the way I want to treat you. I'll do what I want to do. Uh, pride is the exaltation of self. We could look at Ezekiel 28, pride is the root of all sin, it's the mother sin, the first sin that Lucifer committed was that of pride. Uh, five times he said, I will, ending with, I will be like the Most High. Uh, he said, I want to be God. Uh, and really, pride is humanism, and humanism is pride. I want to be God, I want to decide, I decide what's right and wrong. I'm accountable to no one, and that is Satanism in its most refined form is humanism and pride. All right, we said uh, pride is the root of all sin. Next, uh, the sin of pride causes us to focus on our needs to the neglect of the needs of others. So God made men and women differently. Pride is the root of all sin. Uh, pride is the exaltation of self. The sin of pride causes us to focus on our needs to the neglect of the needs of others, and in marriage specifically, neglecting the needs of our spouse. Pride causes a battle of wills. My will versus your will. My way versus your way. Pride causes conditionitis. I will love you if. I will love you when. I will treat you kindly if. I will respond to you when. And pride begins putting all kinds of conditions 
on what God says is just our duty as humans and as spouses. These sins of pride often show up first in six areas, and we're not going to go over this tonight, but there's six areas where we call, call them marriage killers or home wreckers. And uh, much like if I've got a back injury, so when I start getting a, a fever, my back starts hurting in that place more. You all know what I'm talking about? You've got some kind of injury or some type of chronic pain. As soon as your fever goes up, you'll start feeling it wherever you're weakest or you're already hurting first. Uh, and these areas are areas that typically are weak in marriages. And so when pride begins to raise its ugly head, Satan really can put a lot of pressure in these areas. Uh, we call them marriage killers. The first is money. Uh, married couples fight more about money than anything else. And the truth is, if you would both decide on a budget and how you're going to spend your money when you're well-rested, you've both just eaten, you're having a relaxing day, you put it on paper, you decide how you're going to spend your money, you don't ever have to argue about money again. Unless one of you gets proud. The Bible says only by pride cometh contention. Right? And so money is one of them. In-laws. Not that in-laws are a problem, but if in-laws don't know their place and the married couple isn't settled on how they're going to interact with them, in-laws can cause a lot of stress on a marriage. I've thanked God many times that, that my in-laws are wonderful. Wonderful, excellent, amazing. What's for dinner, Mom, tomorrow? Is that, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right, steak and potato. Uh, next is parenting. If you haven't decided on when you're going to have kids, how many you're going to have, uh, how you're going to raise them after you have them, oftentimes one parent is a little too lax, the other one wants to be more strict, uh, that you don't have written guidelines about what are the offenses in the home. If every time some, a child does something wrong, you're trying to figure out what the punishment should be. Uh, all, all of, if you don't have all of that figured out in your own heart and mind, you're going to argue about how you raise the kids. And we can help you with that. Have a list. Write it down. Uh, children, uh, really, to simplify it, children only need a discipline for two reasons. And that's direct disobedience and a bad attitude. Now, that falls into a thousand different categories, but really only two reasons, direct disobedience and a bad attitude. But you, you, you better be agreed or you're going to get in trouble. All right. The next is sex. Uh, the bedroom. Uh, if, if Problems in the bedroom are usually more of a symptom of a deeper problem. But if you don't have those things right, it does two things. First of all, it causes a lot of frustration in your marriage Secondly, it opens the door for Satan to bring in temptations from outside of your marriage. And that's catastrophic. Uh, and so you have to understand what God's plan for that is, how it works, why it works, how to protect it, keep a holy bedroom, and enjoy the gift that God's given you. Uh, next is direction. A husband and wife that's just going different directions. One's saved and one's not. One wants to be spiritual, one's not. One's all about money, the other's all about family. If, if the further you are going in different directions, it's going to cause a lot of stress as you drift. Amos 3.3 says, can two walk together except they be agreed? And the answer is no. Right? So you settle on the direction. Where is, where is God in your life? What are your priorities in life? What are your goals in life? If you don't have those things settled, 
uh, then you're going to cause a lot of stress as one wants to drift. And uh, we could preach a whole message on each one of these things, of course. And then uh, lastly, the marriage killer is communication. First thing to go in your marriage is communication. You just stop being able to talk. And so then you, you can't talk about hard things. You lose the ability to talk about difficult things, so then you don't just talk about them. And then you get in an argument and somebody gives in, but after they give in the 50th time, the 100th time, now they're full of resentment. And then what happens? Uh, and so communication is key. Being able to talk about difficult things, being able to work through problems without either withdrawing or becoming aggressive and getting angry and raising your voice or someone just walking away. Uh, these things are so vital. And so communication is important. And so the, the sin of pride causes us to focus on our needs to the neglect of others. And it usually shows itself in one of these six areas first or the most pressure in one of these areas. How many times have I heard, well, preacher, I'm just not getting my needs met. And that might be true. It might absolutely be true. But the moment you start focusing on that instead of the deeper problem, now we're getting full of pride. Maybe you have a pr proud spouse who's all about themselves, but then you start having a proud pity party or vice versa. And so pride is contagious. It's infectious. Well, you're proud, so I'm going to be proud. You hurt me, so I'm going to hurt you. An eye for an eye. And uh, no, 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 no. Humility, repentance, confession, forgiveness, that's how we keep this thing moving, all right? So uh, God made men and women differently with different needs. Number two, pride's the root of all sin. Number three, pride's the exaltation of self. Number four, the sin of pride causes us to focus on our needs to the neglect of the needs of our spouse. Number five, the husband and wife are both commanded to give themselves completely and openly to one another for the strength of the marriage. And you can write down 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Verse 3, we're not going to take time to look at it. This verse specifically talks about not withholding your physical body. Uh, because if you do that, if you defraud your spouse, they have, they have an expectation to enjoy you because you're married. Matter of fact, for a Christian, the only person on the planet that you can enjoy physically is your spouse. And so you understand that when, when there's stress in a marriage and you're not able to connect physically, which, by the way, it's not just physical. It's emotional, mental, uh, physical, and spiritual. It's the, the, the strongest connection. Holy sex is the strongest connection, the most thorough connection you can have with anybody on the planet. Now, we know that God has corrupted, or, or God protects that. Satan has corrupted all that and made it transactional and dirty and simply physical. Uh, but done the right way. It's very special. And God says, don't defraud your spouse. Why? Because if you do, then you're allowing Satan, you're giving Satan an open door to come in and, and uh, uh, seduce them or, or bring trouble into the marriage. And so understand that. Now, I use that example as an illustration that the bedroom is simply a, a byproduct of the rest of your marriage. If you are having a good, strong, emotionally connected, happy marriage everywhere else, the bedroom is going to be fine. But if you're not, the bedroom is one of the first places to suffer. Uh, and 
the idea that in marriage we give ourselves to one another completely and openly. You know, it's interesting, the Bible says about Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden that uh, they were naked and they weren't ashamed. There was an absolute openness. They had nothing to hide. There's nothing between them. It wasn't even a thing. This is just how life was. It was beautiful. But as soon as sin comes in, the walls start closing in. And they start shutting pieces of themselves off from one another and from God. And that's what sin does. Sin makes you cut certain parts of yourself off. You start building walls. And then the devil works in the dark. The devil uses secrets as buttons and levers to, to push and control and guilt and shame and anger and, and, and depression and all of these things. And so the husband and wife are commanded to give themselves completely and openly to one another for the strength of the marriage. I feel like I just wore some of you out with all that because we just covered a lot of ground, a lot of important ground in, in a few minutes. All right, now let me finish by saying these two things. Number six, above all else, wives need to be loved. Men... Women can seem complicated to the brute male mind, right? We are simple-minded sometimes. And I don't know how many times I've sat in a, in a uh, counseling session and the woman's upset and the guy's got this look on his face. And I'll ask the wife, what's that look on his face? I don't know. What is it? Hanger? I don't care. That's his I don't care look. You know, whatever, whatever it is. And I'll say, no, that look is called confusion. He doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't know what he did. He doesn't know how to fix it. And so while sometimes we do know and we're stubborn, there are times that guys are just knuckleheads. We don't get it. And I've been in meetings before. He knows what he did. No, he doesn't. He knows how to fix this. He should know. Let's change that. He should know how to fix this. And so I say all that to say, guys, don't overcomplicate things. You need to learn and be creative in learning how to love your wife 10,000 different ways. Because what she needs is love. She might call it different things. She might use different illustrations. But what she needs is love. Uh, Let me say this. She needs the confidence that flows from your spiritual leadership. She needs to be loved. Wives, uh, to to, to a lady, love is security. Uh, They literally will follow you anywhere, but they need to know you love them. A godly wife really will do anything for her husband. Just like a godly husband really will do about anything for his wife. But she has to know that, that there's that foundation of love. And so she needs the confidence that flows from spiritual leadership. She needs the assurance that she is meeting your needs. That's why she asks you, how's the food taste? Does it taste good? She needs to hear, hey, this was a great meal. I love how you cook for me. And you know what? Your cooking's better than my mama's. Uh, I knew a guy one time, and every time it came to food, he'd always get in trouble because she would cook one of his favorite meals, and he'd be like, well... It's pretty good, but it's not like mom used to make. And it's like, dude, close your mouth. You know, you left mama a long time ago. You got to live with this woman. You know, that's, that's the, that now is the best soup you've ever had in your life. And uh, 
And so, but she needs that assurance. How do I look in this dress? Have I gained any weight? Smile and say no. Don't get out the scale. Don't wonder. The answer is no. From now to the rest of your life, no. And if the answer is yes, come up with something creative like, I can't, I'm just so blinded by your beauty. I can't, I don't know, I don't notice any of that. You're, kiss me, woman, you know, (laughs) just, um, yeah, I'm trying to keep you all out of trouble. I knew a guy one time, his wife put on something new for him, and she said, how do I look? And he's sitting there with the remote, and he said, you look like a beached whale. And then he wonders why they're about ready to get a divorce. It's like, are you, are you crazy? But he was truly selfish uh, and ignorant. She needs the joy in knowing that you delight in her as a person, that you enjoy spending time with her. She needs the peace in knowing that you understand her limitations. Most women can't handle uh, carry around heavy things. They can't do certain things. The Bible calls them the weaker vessel. There are some things they can't do. And there are some things you can do. And so some of you ladies, you've got to be careful. Make sure you don't have too much feminist in you. I can do anything you can do. No, you can't. I guarantee you, you can't. Look at this thing. No, I'm kidding. You just can't. And so some women are like, I can do anything. I can do anything a man can do. Don't be ignorant. Don't be foolish. God made you different. So blossom into who God made you to be, not trying to be something else. All right, but she needs to know that you understand her limitations. Don't treat her like a man. Don't be gruff and mean and short. Treat her like a princess. Treat her like a queen. Uh, She needs the comfort of knowing that you'll lovingly protect her. She needs your focused attention and quality conversation. She needs you to put down the remote control, the magazine, the phone, the iPad, and look her in the eye and talk about something that means something to her. She needs to know that you're committed to her above everything else but God. She needs to trust that you will not willingly deceive her. So big, gentlemen, so big. Don't don't lie about stuff. Because if you lie about this, then you might lie about where you were for two hours this afternoon. If you lie about that, you might lie about something bigger. She just needs to know that you're not going to willingly deceive her. You might be wrong. You might misspeak, but you'd never lie to her. She needs loving affection that doesn't lead to the bedroom. She needs you just to hold her hand. She needs you to put your arm around her, to rub her back, give her a sweet hug, a sweet kiss. She needs Christ-like leadership and spiritual headship. Every godly woman longs for her husband to just take the lead and do it like Jesus. Don't do it bossy. Don't bang the table. Don't get gruff and mean. Just be like Jesus and lead. And she'll happily follow. So number six, above all else, wives need to be loved. Number seven, above all else, husbands need to be respected. It's hard for a husband to feel loved if he doesn't feel respected by his wife. 
men receive love through the lens of respect. If you don't respect me, how in the world could you love me? Uh, and that's why, you know, if you turn this and, and think of the opposite of these things, that's how we hurt each other the most. You know, a wife knows how to hurt her husband more than anybody on the planet. And a husband knows how to hurt his wife more than anybody on the planet. And there's a sacred trust in knowing each other so well. Above all else, the husband needs to be respected. By the way, these aren't just, while we're talking about the frame of, of marriage, these are universal in the needs of men. If you have employees, uh, a father, these types of things, he needs respect. If you have a sister, a mother, uh, she needs love. And so all of these things translate, but here we're talking specifically about marriage. Uh, a man needs to be respected. He needs to be respected for who he is and what he does. I remember Pastor Ross telling a story years ago. He was over, and at that time he was doing some side work um, to make a little extra money while he was pastoring. And he was in somebody's house, and she kept running down her husband. And he kept trying to build her husband up. And so he'd say something nice, and, or she'd say something mean, and he'd say, well, what about this? And she'd say, yeah. And then she'd say something mean. Well, what about this? We'd say something, well, what about this? And he finally got to the place where, he says, well, what's your husband do for work? You know, he's like, I'm trying just to think of how to build her, build her husband up. What's he do for work? He drives a beer truck. He delivers liquor all over the county. Pastor Ross was deathly against liquor. And he's like, man, what do I say about that? And he said, well, I bet he's the best beer truck driver in the county. But he's just trying to find anything so that this woman would stop putting down her husband. Uh, if, he takes, if he's a garbage man, respect that. If he's a doctor or a lawyer, respect that. If he makes $15 an hour or $50 an hour, respect him for who he is and what he does. Uh, but he needs that respect. All right, he needs to be, uh, he needs gratitude for how hard he works for you. You know, it's a man feels a lot of pressure to provide for the family. And even with, in a home where a wife works and those types of things, he feels the weight. God put it in him. And so one of the worst things he could do is if, if a lady has unrealistic needs or expectations, he'll feel like he's not doing a good job. Or a wife can say something like, well, if you made more money, this wouldn't be a problem. You know, just something like that. Uh, he needs appreciation and gratitude for how hard he works. Uh, and oftentimes before uh, Sarah got sick, she'd be making a meal, and I'd, I'd say something like, boy, sweetie, thank you so much for this meal. It's excellent. And she'd say, well, thank you for working uh, to provide for it. And it was just kind of that, that beautiful give and take of my wife said something to me years ago that, that I never forgot, and it was so sweet. She said, you know, in all of our married lives, she said, I, can, I never... She said, I can never remember a meal that you didn't thank me for verbally, that I've made a meal. She said, I can never remember a time that I've made a meal for you that you didn't thank me. And I thought, I didn't, I know that I try to do that, but she appreciated that more than I was just doing it out of gratitude, but uh, that meant a lot to her, and it meant a lot to me that she noticed. And so these, these things really matter, and especially over time. All right, he needs your companionship in recreational activities. Uh, you may not enjoy fishing, but go for his sake. Now, guys, don't, don't take her out and drag her up a mountain. If, if you've got a beautiful female woman, don't take her bull riding. You know, 
Uh, you know, some guys just are, don't have any sense. Uh, but at the same time, uh, ladies, don't be a wallflower. Go, go fishing. Go, go take a walk in the woods. And husband, go walk through J.C. Penney's or Kohl's or whatever and look for dresses. Learn what style she needs. Listen, if I'm going to spend time with my wife, I learned a long time ago that if I'm shopping with her, I'm with her. And the truth is, we didn't know she was going to get sick, but I could pick out clothes for her. We'd be shopping, and I would go look at a rack next door, and I'd be bringing over stuff for her to look at because I'm in touch with my feminine side. Uh, where'd that come from? But, uh, you know, the, but the truth is, she could sit down and have a conversation about my work. Uh, what, kind of, what kind of carpet are you putting in? Oh, is, is that nylon or this? And do you have any seams to make? And it's like we were entered into each other's world. All right, so recreational activities, work activities. He needs your admiration and verbal encouragement. Uh, talk to him about his muscles and uh, how this. And boy, honey, your belly's getting so nice and round. It's just beautiful. I mean, it's amazing. A lot of guys' bellies are weird-shaped and oblong. Boy, you just got a, you just got a nice belly. Or something like, you know, honey, that hair growing in on your shoulders is just... It's amazing. It's, uh, I really appreciate that. <laughs> Find something nice to say as, as, you get, uh, as you're going along in your marriage. Right? He needs a warm and welcoming home environment. Make him want to come home. Uh, he needs a home that is well kept and orderly. Uh, there's, you have kids, house was made to be lived in, all of that, but don't get lazy about it because it's respectful to say, you know, Dad's coming home, kids, let's pick up the toys. Or you know what, dad's, dad's going to be home in a little bit. We've got to start on dinner. It's just that thought, just like you would consider the thoughtfulness of him doing certain things for you. Some of these things are just nonverbal ways where he feels really respected and loved. But he also understand if you've had a rough day or the kids are going through a time or you've been sick or whatever, of course. All right, he needs you to learn how to make his favorite foods. He needs you to stand behind him cheering him on in life, be his greatest cheerleader. See, there's two great needs for marriage. Above all else, wives need to be loved, and above all else, husbands need to be respected. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thanks for the truth tonight. We pray that you'd send us away with your blessing, bless the offering, and uh, bless the marriage coming up this week. Uh, bless all of our families and even our interactions with people in the community and and uh, our families and such. And Lord, just help us to know the Bible and to try to implement it in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.